morning. Good morning, everyone. It's really good to be here with you. Uh, my name's Josh. I'm one of the pastors at the Bridge Church, and uh, yeah, it's a joy to be here with you at 10.30. I'd love to pray. Would you please join me as we speak to God? Father, thank you for bringing us together. We thank you for speaking to us in the Bible. Father, we ask that as we listen now that you would open our hearts and make Jesus magnified uh, in our lives, uh, that, our view, that we would see him as bigger, as more powerful, more authoritative, more glorious, and we ask this in his powerful name. Amen. How can this be happening in 2022? Have you heard people say that? Maybe you've said that yourself, asked that question. How can this be happening in 2022? Something that we hear people say at the moment quite a lot, and it might be in, to do with any number of different things. It could be, how can there be a war happening in 2022? How can there be sickness that we can't control in 2022? How can there be climate problems that we can't control in 2022? How can women still be unsafe in society in 2022? It, it happens on, on all sorts of different things. And the idea is, this is 2022. How can this be happening? What do we mean by that question? What does someone who asks that question mean? What's sitting behind it? I think it could mean a few things. It means we think the world has progressed to a certain point. It means we think we are the masters of our own destiny. It means that we think we've left a lot of things in the past and that that's where they're going to stay. It means we think that this world is no longer broken. And it means, I think, above all else, that we think we're in control of the world. But as we think honestly about our world, is that actually true? Can that be true? Let me give you a few stats from different areas of life. In 2021, there were more than 400 natural disasters worldwide, and they led directly to 10,000 deaths and affected 100 million people. Or think about sickness. Just this year in Australia alone, there will be uh, an estimated 162,000 diagnoses of cancer and an estimated 50,000 deaths from cancer. Think about evil. In America alone, 59% of people report being the victims of cybercrime. Or think about relationships. Studies have shown that this moment in history, uh, people report the highest levels of loneliness that have ever been recorded. The world is still chaotic. Sickness and death continue. Evil continues. And alienation from God and from each other continues. And so we might be in the year 2022, but it's not so different to the world of 30 33 AD that we had in our reading today. So what's the solution? What is the solution to this world that we live in, which is broken? Well, the solution we find today in our passage is the authority of Jesus as God's son. That is the solution. 
And it's an authority that Jesus has for the fearful and for the captives and for sinners and for the lost. So we're going to look at those things together this morning. So let's look at those four things. The first one is Jesus' authority for the fearful. All humans throughout history have believed that this cosmos, this creation, this climate, this world is chaotic and dangerous. And you see that just by looking around the world. There's earthquakes and volcanoes and tsunamis and floods and fires and droughts. The world's out of control. And today we have different functional saviours that we try to use to make us feel like we're a bit more in control. We have sunscreen for our skin so we don't get burnt. We have air conditioning in our buildings so we feel okay. Uh, we have strong buildings so that they can withstand different things. We have dams and river systems to avoid flooding. But deep down we can't control the world. Deep down we know that. So we find Jesus in this account in Matthew chapter 8, starting at verse 23. We find Jesus in this boat on the Sea of Galilee. It would have been a small fishing boat. He was there with his disciples. They're crossing over. The Sea of Galilee uh, is, uh, is a landlocked body of water. It's more like a big lake. It's surrounded by mountains. It's actually 600 feet below sea level. And it was a perfect environment for storms to uh, whip up. And even to this day, that happens on the Sea of Galilee. I was just looking at YouTube this week, and you can see uh, clips of water just lashing the coastline uh, in the Sea of Galilee. For Jews, the ocean was not a place of leisure. It wasn't a place to go and relax like it is for us in Sydney. It was a place of danger. They lived in fear of the ocean. It was a chaotic and evil environment for them and this is where Jesus is on the lake in a boat with his disciples and what what is surprising is not that there's a storm on this lake what is surprising is that Jesus is asleep in the boat while the storm takes place why did he do that it's likely that Jesus did that to test the disciples to teach them a lesson about his authority See verse 25, the disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? And then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. They don't re recognise the identity of Jesus in the boat. You can tell that from their, their question even at the end. What kind of man is this? Uh, they're afraid, but they do trust Jesus just enough to go and wake him up and say, can you do something about this? It's like a last-ditch faith. It's like, we're probably going to die, so let's just have faith that maybe Jesus can do something. Often in life, I feel like I'm going pretty well. Uh, you know, I read my Bible, I pray, I spend time in Christian community. But then I'm amazed at myself at how tiny things uh, happen and, and it throws me off course and, and, I, and, and it interrupts my life and I hardly give God a thought when that's happening. Well, that's the disciples. 
And it is so good to have Jesus in the boat with them because with just a word or two, he stills the storm. He stops the waves. The wind dies down and it all ceases. I actually tried it this week. Uh, One of those windy afternoons, I went out the back of my house and I said, stop. And do you know what happened? It did not stop. And so I thought maybe I can just try it with the tap in my sink. So I put the tap on and said, cease, be still. And do you know what happened? Nothing. And then I thought, well, I may as well give this a go as well. And I came to the mess across my house and said, be clean. And nothing happened. But the lake, the lake knew the voice of its master. It knew Jesus' voice and it obeyed. The voice of its creator. The one with authority for a fearful world. And things haven't changed much, have they? From the first century to now. We still live in a world where we know in many ways we are at the mercy of the environment around us. And there's a lot of talk about the climate in our world today. And there is plenty for Christians to care about. There's stewardship, there's care, there's concern that we can have for this world that God's given us. We should care about ecosystems and, and species and, and be attentive to science. Stewardship and care and concern are all good words to use. What, what are not good words are fear and anxiety and worry and, and distress and despair. They're not the words for Christians who, who live in this world and who know the authority of the master. Because we know that uh, the greatest authority is not the climate, is, is not the planet. The greatest authority is the one who made this world and who speaks and everything goes still. So we see Jesus' authority for the fearful world. Second, we see Jesus' authority for captives. We live in a culture today so committed to what's called naturalism or materialism, this idea of a scientific worldview where uh, all that... Uh, all, all, that, all that you can see is all there is. And life is just about atoms bumping up against each other and that's, that's it. There's nothing beyond. There is no spiritual realm. There is no God. And we live in this culture and it does shape the way we see the world. And so we come to this account of these two men possessed by demons and we are automatically suspicious of this. But there is an untamed evil around us, isn't there? I'm amazed that it's often the Christians who have uh, experimented in the past with maybe witchcraft or Ouija boards or something, who often want nothing to do with anything like that, who don't even want to be close to something that's close to that. And they're not going to read a book about it. They're not going to watch a film about it. They know that the world is not under our control. They know that there is a spiritual realm with angels and demons that exist under God. I actually spoke to a Christian psychiatrist recently who said that he has 
at moments in his life, in his work, seen people who perhaps have opened a door to the spiritual realm which they can't then shut and that their life is affected in some way. It's not all the time, but he has seen that. C.S. Lewis wrote his great book, The Screwtape Letters, which is an imagined story of a senior devil speaking with a junior devil about how to distract people from God. And I've always uh, remembered this character in the story who just loved to have their tea and their toast exactly perfectly right. And that was enough to distract them from God, that little idol. And often I think that's us here in Sydney. The devil doesn't need to do very dramatic things because we're easily obsessed and distracted just with little things and he can keep us totally off track, totally distracted from God just with our little idols, our little interests. But here we have two men possessed by the evil one. We know the fruit of the Spirit, it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all these things. What is the devil's fruit? See verse 28, it is death, they lived amongst the tombs. It is violence, they're dangerous and unpredictable. It is isolation, no one could be around that part of town anymore. And notice, the demons know who Jesus is. What do you want with us, son of God, they shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? I've got a friend named David uh, who's now a Christian. But before he was a Christian, he went with, with a friend to a psychic uh, just for a bit of fun. And the psychic said to him uh, these words. She said, you are very blessed. I need to tell you this now. You are a child of the light, destined to be with your, the greatest mediator in the spiritual realms, Jesus Christ. He has chosen you. The devil himself knows who's in charge. The devil's workers and servants knows who's in charge. They know the authority of Jesus. They can't escape it. And also notice the pigs here, verse 30. Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. Jews didn't farm pigs. And so what this tells us, this is a Gentile region. These are people who outside the community of Israel. And uh, Jesus has an authority over evil, not only for the Jews, but for the nations of the world, for the Gentiles. And here is the moment that the distant descendant of Abraham that the world has been waiting for, who will bring God's blessing to the nations of the world, Back from Genesis chapter 12, remember the, the promise there. Uh, here is the moment that that descendant of Abraham has come and Jesus expends less energy than it takes me to get off the couch to drive these demons out. See what he says? Go. The demons rush into the pigs who rush into the water and die. And the whole town who live in fear of evil ask Jesus to leave. Likely they, they just are afraid of the spiritual realm and they don't want anyone kicking up dust in that realm. They would rather the devil that they know than this powerful man that they do not know. 
Now, it's really important to say when you have God's Holy Spirit, the Bible is so clear that greater is he who is in you than him who is in the world. Read the book of 1 John. The Bible is so clear where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, freedom from sin and law and death. Read the book of Galatians. But also please realise that we're not in a different world to the world of the first century. And just because we shut things away from our civilised society doesn't mean that it's any less real. Martin Lloyd-Jones, the English pastor, told the story of a a self-described witch who attended one of his church services. And as he spoke to her, she said, "I, I know that there is a spirit here that is more powerful than anything, and I know that that spirit is clean. If you're a Christian, or if you become a Christian, you are in touch with, you are friends with the greatest authority that the world has known or will know because you know the creator of this world. And nothing will be able to harm you if you've given your life to the Lord Jesus. But let's not play around with other things. Uh, I'm not a legalist, but I don't know why Christians would want to watch horror films or, or... Uh, read horoscopes or play with tarot cards? What benefit could there be in those things for us? Those things may even have some power. I wouldn't deny that, but it's like the devil's limited power. It's like allying with Adolf Hitler in the dying days of Second World War. Yeah, sure, he might have some power to kill and destroy a few more people before he is destroyed. And so it is with the devil as well since the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. But also know this today, that no matter what you have touched or been involved in in the past, if you've given your life to Jesus, that you have come to the one who has all authority. And just look at what he did to the demons who took control of those men. He sent them to their death. This is Jesus' authority for the captives. Thirdly, notice Jesus' authority for sinners. This story of the uh, paralysed man, this next uh, account, was often taught to me as Jesus uh, taking care of the man's greatest need, uh, which is forgiveness of sins. Now, I agree with that. That's his greatest need. But I don't know that that's what the main point is here. The main point seems to be a point about Jesus' authority. Have a look at chapter 9, verse 6. I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus' goal is that we see his authority. He has forgiven the man, and the teachers of the law say in chapter 9, verse 3, uh, he's blaspheming. And of course, they're correct if if Jesus is not God. Of course, he's blaspheming. No one else can forgive sins. It's easy to say something amazing. It's much harder to show something amazing. My son was just telling me yesterday that he is Batman. I don't believe him. 
Or think about job interviews. It's very easy to talk yourself up. The truth comes out when someone rings up your references. In front of the audience, Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And then he says, okay, I know that was easy to say. So let me show you something, which is harder to say because you'll know if I'm lying. And he says to the paralyzed man, verse 6, get up, take your mat and go home. And then the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe and they praised God who had given such authority to man. The crowd understands what's happened here, that Jesus is showing his authority, uh, authority to forgive sins proven by his healing of the man. Now, sometimes people think Jesus is a great moral teacher, a great leader, a great example. And he is all those things, but he's something so much deeper. He is the Son of Man, prophesied back in Daniel chapter 7. The Son of Man who is the God-man who sits on the throne, whom the nations bow down and worship. He shows his power, and uh, not merely in teaching or in healing or in leading, but in forgiving sins. He has the very authority of God. So have you had your sins forgiven? Have you had your sins forgiven by God? Are you confident of that? Because you can be. This could be the day that you become confident of that. If you would go to Jesus in your heart, he will hear you, he will forgive you, wipe your slate clean, give you a fresh start even today. That's why he came into the world, friends so that your sins might be forgiven. And, you know, if we come before the throne of God as we are with our sin, it would be like God puts up a video of our life and everything that we've ever done. And can you imagine the shame of watching something like that? Every misspoken word, every mistreatment of others, every promise unkept, every way that we have ignored God all our lives... We can't stand up under that. We need someone to forgive us. And Jesus came to make that offer. And if you can't believe Jesus forgives sins, look at what he did to the paralytic. He healed him to prove that his words are true. Often we're a bit like someone who has tucked their head into their shirt and says, you know, I can't see the light. I, I just can't see it. And, and the way to see the light is to get your head out of a shirt and to look out the window. <laughs> you know, the way to know that your sins are forgiven, don't look endlessly at yourself. Look at the one who has authority to forgive you and keep looking to him. And see him there with the paralyzed man healing him. If Jesus couldn't forgive sins, he wouldn't have been able to do it. But he did, full stop, no questions asked. And so will you believe the testimony of God rather than your feelings, your experience? Because God says you're forgiven if your faith is in his son. So here's the son of man with authority to forgive sins and he showed it. Finally, Jesus shows us here 
his authority for the lost. After he calls Matthew and he goes uh, to eat with him and his friends, see verse 12 to what he says to the scoffing religious leaders. He says, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Christianity is the religion where bad people go to heaven. Do you realise that? So many people get this wrong. They think Christianity is about good people trying to work their way up to God or trying to impress God or trying to do good things so that they get rewarded. Christianity is the religion where God came to look for bad people like you and me, lost from him, to bring us into his kingdom. I went to the doctor recently and he gave me some medicine. And if, I, if I'd received that from the doctor and said, look, thank you very much, but I don't need it, I'm not sick, then I'm foregoing the one thing that can help me get better. And it is the same with Jesus. He came to be the remedy for the sickness in our souls. He came to heal us with his forgiveness. He came to seek us lost from God, alienated from God. And so with Jesus, you can really say those words, it's okay to not be okay. Because that's the only type of person he will have in his kingdom. The one who receives the medicine that he has to give. The, the one who receives his offer of finding us. In all these things, it's Jesus who has the authority. Authority for the fearful. Authority over evil. Authority uh, for captives, for sinners, for the lost. And the question is, whether you will believe and receive what he has to give and receive the benefit and the blessing of his ministry. Now, churches should be like the waiting room for a hospital. They should never be like the waiting room for a job interview. And woe to us if we ever become a community of middle-class people who just have it all together and who failed to be honest with the one who came to save us. Our anthem needs to be the words of that old hymn, Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. 2022 is no different to 30 AD. And Jesus is no different either. His authority is exactly the same. Authority is the son of God whom the demons know. Authority is the son of man who came in fulfilment of God's word, who proved himself able to forgive sins. And the one who has the greatest authority of all, the authority of God himself, who came to us to seek and save the lost. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for sending your son. And we thank you for his power and his authority 
over this broken world and all the things that make life in this world so difficult. We thank you that he shows us the kingdom of God, the kingdom where he has authority over nature, over evil, over sickness, over sin. And we thank you that we have been invited into this kingdom by your grace because you came and found us even though we were so far from you. Father, I pray particularly this morning for anyone still wrestling with these things. Please give more light. Please give more clarity where there's only confusion. And please give insight to us all today that we might follow the risen, glorious, authoritative Jesus. And we pray it in his name. Amen.